welcome to our podcast series Women to Women. Our guest today is Fran Desena. Fran is a senior pharmaceutical strategic communications and marketing executive with more than 25 years of multifaceted experience in progressive communications and marketing roles, who leverages her diverse skills across product and corporate public relations, media relations, regulatory affairs, social media, influence marketing, crisis management, internal-external communications, and alliance management. Her leadership qualities shine through when uniquely navigating and managing the changing dynamics through multiple corporate acquisitions while seamlessly managing large and small communication teams for products. Whether working for companies creating high-impact therapies or up-and-coming pharmaceuticals that provide global solution, Fran demonstrates her keen ability to understand corporate strategy and align with senior executives to successfully help them deliver on their objectives. Fran is currently working at Sinews Health as the Senior Vice President, Influencer Marketing. Hi, Fran. Welcome to our podcast series, Women to Women. Thank you for having me today. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. Um, you have such an awesome background. Can't wait to have this chat. So um, let's start with your childhood. We talked a little bit about it and it is so interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, I was born in, in the city. Uh, my parents, my mother came from Italy at 21. She was here when she met my dad. My dad's all family came from Italy. We lived in the city and my parents spoke mainly Italian in the house, even though I I mastered the English language pretty well. You know, Italian was our first language. We also had our grandparents living with us. So my mother's parents. So it was a really um, multi-generation household. So I was the youngest of three siblings, uh, about nine to 10 years. My oldest sibling's 10 years older. My middle, the middle sibling's nine years older than me. So they were very close and I was quite late. So as a result, my upbringing was with three generations, lots of teenagers in the house and, uh, uh, of course, spending my time in our neighborhood with our family. So very much surrounded by family and um, my grandparents. Do you think that really shaped you to be who you are, having that multi-generational you know, experience? Yes, I think it has. I mean, I, I think at the time it was difficult. I, I felt like, you know, um, my parents were very... Uh, culturally centered around the town culture. You know, we lived in a multicultural um, neighborhood. So everyone had, you know, we, we had lots of folks around, but I think when I looked at my upbringing, um, I wasn't aware what was happening, but I think I was being shaped by family values that I think today I have now transferred to my children. It's very interesting because my kids also have my parents around and it's quite interesting. And my parents were very big into wanting education because they did not have education. You know, they didn't have uh, secondary degrees. They, they weren't able to have that option. And uh, so I felt like, you know, my kids are seeing the best of everything. You know, they're seeing that traditional culture, but then they're also seeing, you know, a lot of encouragement for education, diversity, like getting out there, learning new things, traveling. I mean, these are things that my parents didn't have the opportunity to do, but they truly supported and changed with culture as they've you know, grown up in this country. So it's been an amazing thing to see. In an earlier conversation, you mentioned you were the first one to graduate from college in your family. So clearly yes. you kind of set a path for everybody. How did you pass it on to the next generation in your family? Yeah. 
Well, you know, um, my, like I said, my sister and brother were older. They chose different paths. I mean, while they were both successful and happy with what they chose, my parents never always talked about college. Uh, my brother and sister made different paths, and I think they were still great, as I said. And for myself, I think being the first one, not only to graduate college, but we didn't talk about it, I was also the first one to go to graduate school. And I think a lot of it had to do with watching and learning and engaging. And then I think as my siblings had children, they are now, or at the time they were in their 20s when I was doing all of this work, you know, and, and they were watching and engaging. And I know some of them have spoken to the fact that, you know, watching me do it and, and engage in it. And they felt like there was an opportunity for them. And, and again, you're talking about different generations. So they were also getting encouraged by the mentors that they were encountering. But I think watching it within their own family unit, um, I know for my sister and brother, as they were raising their kids, it was very helpful, I think, for the conversations. And and I think that quite support, my parents very much supported it. It was very nurturing for them to see it within their own family. I think there's no substitute for having a role model within the family, right? I totally agree. Um, and I think, too, my children were kind of watching along because, you know, they're several years younger than these nieces and nephews. So it's almost like a, a constant engagement of positivity because even on my husband's side, same thing. And in my husband's family, everyone has um, entered into education or some type of additional learning. And again, they're all great at what they do. They're, they're well-rounded. And I think that's something that I think every generation should pass on. I think it's a great thing if they can, if they can do that. It's really awesome. So speaking of role models, so you were the role model for your family's next generation. Who was your role model? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. And I thought a little bit about it. And I think while I always look to role models, um, you know, out there in the public domain, I think there also should be something said about those role models that you meet along the way, you know, individuals that have maybe shaped, shaped your life based on their experiences who are a little bit more local. So, you know, we talked, I talked, when I talked to you prior, we talked a little bit about like Lori Steinem, and I find her very interesting. But I also find Ruth Bader Ginsburg very interesting. And I felt like I read a little bit about both of them as I've been going through you know, my years. And it's funny, they were friends, you know, they worked, they grew up in a similar environment, you know, working for women's rights and uh, equality. And I felt like it's so funny, like my mother, my mother's from that generation and her engagement was very limited. She was a homemaker and she came from Italy, her English language, you know, she mastered the English language when she got here at 21. So a bit late to do something like that and then to learn about our cultures in the United States and such. So I felt like they were just so different than my mother and it was exciting to see the progress that they had made. So I look up to, I look at their, their learnings and what they've worked on to help us, you know, today, seeing what my daughter, I have a 15 year old daughter. So to see what she has been able to um, take, in, take advantage of because of some of these milestones met, by some of these great women, um, it's exciting to see. That's why they hit me so differently uh, because I think that I see it as a contrast to you know some of the things that I grew up with. And I so all these women you mentioned, amazing women, they're all agents of change. What does that mean to you personally? So, you know, I feel like I may have not started off as a person who adjusts to change, but it has been part of my career pathing. Everything I've done in the last 29 years in my career, when I started at 21 out of college, and I think has been led by change and accepting change, being, a, being able to um, acclimate to the change. And I've lived through a lot of integrations in healthcare. I've been in healthcare for all my career, taken on new roles, but I've always been able to 
flourish, I think, and change because I embrace it. And I, and I actually lead in that way too. I explain to people that work with me, uh, that have worked on my team that, you know, we need to be ready and be flexible and nimble. And I think from that comes all of these other opportunities and experiences. So I think I didn't think I was good with change. You know, I, no one really loves it, but I actually get comfortable in some of the uncomfortable. Like I'm able to manage really well. Think on my feet. I, I, I think these are things that you're not doing when you're really comfortable in a position and just kind of going along. I was given some advice early on in my career and it basically was don't settle into a job for like three years and still do the same thing over and over again. If you're growing in your career, make a change after those three years. If it's, if you're not learning or if you need continuous continuous learning, you know, because that's the way you're going to build on your knowledge and and your experiences. And we clearly see that in your career path, right? You were in regulatory, you moved to marketing. So what were some of the things that you learned while making this change? And for our listeners, you know, you made a great point that, you know, if you feel stagnated in three years, you're not learning, look for that change. Don't hesitate. So can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, um, Some of these things were not like a career path for me was not a straight line. You know, I've talked about this with other leaders. I've talked to colleagues that I've worked with, some mentees that I've worked with. It's not about a straight line. You think it is. You think like when you start out, I'm going to go from point A to point B. But for me, it was a bit jagged. Um, Roles that I took on may have been lateral in nature. For instance, the regulatory role was not a promotional role. It was a role for promotion. It was a, it was a lateral role. I took it because it allowed me an opportunity to add to my resume. And I was working with some wonderful people, people that I really knew I could learn from. And at that time in my life, I thought, well, I'll take a step back or a step aside, you know, more lateral position. Uh, but I know I'm going to learn from that position. And, and I use that example of regulatory all the time because it was almost like a, a crash course for four years in learning the intricacies of regulatory when I was always on the commercial side. And I tell my colleagues that all the time, you know, that sometimes you take a role, it may be for money or title, but, you know, that will come. That will come. It's really about the learning experience. And I felt like that regulatory role um, allowed for that opportunity. And by the way, it reinforced my future roles in public relations and communication because I had a firm understanding of the regulatory landscape. That couldn't have happened had I not been in that group. And they really, at that level that I entered that group, they embraced me and wanted to teach and I wanted to learn and I also wanted to contribute. So a newcomer in your field who wants to be somewhere close to where you are eventually in communications, what would you suggest um, their focus be? It's a great question. And, you know, I did not start off as a communications major. You know, my career uh, started off in business and uh, I never kind of thought I was going to work in the communications field. An opportunity opened up for me while I was in marketing. I don't know if all those opportunities exist today. Sometimes, you know, uh, there are changes you have to make. I, I would suggest that you really think about the connections of your position. So as an example, if you're in marketing and there are other aspects of marketing, learn about them because public relations was a part of marketing at the time when I was coming up in industry. So be inquisitive into those other areas, learn the structure of these departments that you enter. And when you do look at them, seek out opportunities. They may not be right there for you. Sometimes it takes a conversation. It's a lot, a lot about um, engagement, you know, engaging yourself in conversations within the company that you're in, talking to other people in other departments. That's actually how one of the opportunities that I was able to be a part of came up during a lunch conversation conversation that someone was saying there was going to be a job posting. We talked about it in, in marketing and I, and I took it 
I, I went and I saw the job posting, but again, it's casual conversations, inquiring, but it's also knowing how the department is shaped. If I would have just focused on my day job and not kind of wondered, well, when I joined this department, what other aspects are there to this department that I'd be interested in possibly? And let me get to know the people in those jobs. Were there naysayers along the way? Yeah, I think, uh, well, listen, there, there always are. Um, that continues today, whether they're, you know about them or you don't. I think there are just people who may only see your resume and say, well, they don't have what we need. So I, I think those are people that sometimes don't believe in the talent. I have interviewed many people and sometimes I go beyond the resume sometimes too. But I think I would say that in my career, I would look to embrace if there are naysayers that you know about, if there's ask the feedback, you know, ask for the feedback as to the why, you know, why, why aren't I applicable for this job? Or, you know, what could I have done differently? I think some of the things made me more determined to continue and do more. So I use it as a positive all the time. I, I don't think I ever use it as a negative in, in the business world because I, it's a learning. You're not going to be great at everything. You're going to need to develop skills all the time. This is a, a learning environment. I think when you're working in, in the business field, that, especially in healthcare, ever so changing. So I do say embrace the feedback that you may get from those naysayers. I would say believe in yourself um, as well and what you've accomplished. And I think that's where life experience and work experience comes into play. Did you seek out any mentors along the way? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a communicator. I think I love talking to people. So sometimes I sought them out. Maybe they were people that started off as friends, people I engaged with. You should seek out mentors and they don't have to be like, you know, the leaders of departments. Sometimes they could just be one level above you, possibly. I learned so much from people who I just engage in conversation. Then when you do select them, see that you have some things in common or some things that you, you know, can get along because it's about conversation. It's about asking them the questions. And if you're not comfortable, you know, if they're too senior, sometimes you feel like maybe I'm not going to ask them the questions I need to ask them. And I think that um, even one level above is great. And, and it's to talk to somebody about where you want to be. I would say too, you know, ask them the tough questions about, you know, how they got there and, and engage with them. Because I think, it's not just a one and done, you know, when you're seeking out mentors, it's, it's almost like building a report, building an advisory council of sorts, you know, a group of people, small group of people that you could go to um, after you sought them out and maybe sought what you wanted, you can continue with them. So you had mentioned this earlier to the advisory panel for yourself, right? Your own board of directors. Yes. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Like how did that come about and how has it really helped you in your career? I wish I would have thought of it earlier, you know, I, I think unofficially, maybe I had a few of that, like I had some personal friends that I would always rely on when I'd have a job change. I'd also have some business friends, but I think it really came to me when I was seeking out a new position after one of our integrations. And the person I was speaking with said, you know, you should build your own Council And I never thought about it, actually. I thought, well, yeah, what does that consist of? And it did consist of a person who knows you really well, someone who who gets you, um, who's maybe known you from, you know, a friend, uh, you know, not so much from the business field, right? Because I think a lot of what we do has to be authentic. So unless someone really knows you, it's good, it's good to have someone that knows you to give you that personal feedback as well. And then build a degree of individuals that are different, a diverse group of people. You know, I think it's great to have somebody that maybe you've worked with before, somebody that may have been your boss. I mean, it's not like you're formalizing a full meeting with them together, but you're meeting with them individually. And you're almost like jotting down notes about what, you, what feedback they provide. I'm a big journaler in that way. I like to journal, keep notes on maybe some things that are going on, whether it's a transition 
transition of a job, whether it's a transition of life. I have a, a college age you know, child, my son went to college, and it's good to engage in journaling and reflect back a little bit. And I think with having an advisory board for, um, environment, it's nice. I, I think it's people you can rely on and you can call them when needed, especially if you're making a change. And I think it's very effective with the note-taking. So if you had a chance to do everything differently? When I started, maybe I lacked the confidence, you know, early on in my career. I, as I said, I didn't have, you know, specific role models saying go to college or go to graduate school, but I had a lot of other values added from those role models. So I think I was able to adapt and change. So I think that I would say I would just want more confidence. I think the little bit of risk taking that comes with confidence probably could have gotten me to where I am today, maybe a little faster, but maybe not. But I, I always think about it, like what could I have done differently? And I think when it comes down to it, maybe having the confidence to take those chances, because again, I may have taken some zigzags in, in my career pathing, but there are some things I passed up to that maybe I should have you know, taken that opportunity to have that conversation about a job. And I would say to people out, if you think you can't do a job, you better really think about that because I always thought I couldn't do certain things and really in essence, I could do them and I could do them really well. So really have that confidence to go out of the comfort zone, try that career path or try that role that you may think you're not qualified for. I think that is something I would do differently, but I think I'm happy where I landed ultimately. So in terms of values, what are some of the values that you really believe in? Well, I think some of the things that have come from my family upbringing, um, hard work. I've been working since I'm 13. I got my working papers at 13 and my dad was excited for that. We, we, you know, I, I think responsibility in our household was big. So I think hard work is one real value. Um, I think respect. So, you know, treat people how you'd like to be treated. I believe in that. I believe in that as a leader. I believe in that as a colleague, a friend. I, I transcend a lot of my values into my business world and my personal world. So those are two major ones. I think integrity. You know, I've had a chance to work in regulatory. I, I've worked in the pharmaceutical business my entire career. And I think doing the right thing is really a big part of healthcare. I feel that. I feel that way about it. But I think it, it applies to everything. It feels right. Do the right thing. Absolutely. What are some of the things that you feel women can do differently to get more mistakes that you think we should work on? Yeah. So I think we should, uh, I think I would say, always speak up. You know, I, I don't think women should be afraid to speak up. When I was young, my parents used to have a kid's table and an adult table. We all didn't want to sit at the kid's table. You know, we got to a certain age, you want to sit at the adult table. So I think as I was in my career pathing, I used to want to be at the, you know, at the table. I want to seat at the table. I did in my head because I was like, wow, I'm so junior, you know, coming up. I really came up from very junior positions, you know, I didn't just automatically walk into director positions and senior director positions or, and, and higher. I, you know, I really worked my way up and I always felt like I want to have a seat at the table. I want to have a voice at the table. I don't think we do that enough. I think we are making decisions and, and I think we have to speak up, you know, and make them, make them our own. Having that opportunity to speak up. I'll say the same about salary too, you know, question something if it's not, not right to you. And I know with my staff, I had an experience where I was working um, at a staff that had just inherited from, from an integration. We were working together and they were in the jobs for a couple of months. And I realized like the job titles and the salary structure wasn't equivalent to what they were doing. We changed the whole, we changed the whole structure of the organization. And I asked them, you know, when's the last time you spoke to HR, you know, about your roles. And, and they said, we hadn't. And I went and I spoke up for them. And I we saw some change because, you know, you started to put the plan together of what wasn't working, uh, that they needed 
to relook at the job description, relook at the salary structure. So I made that change happen. And I think that that was out of years of myself seeing and learning and experiencing some things that I wanted to see in my own career. I do think uh, speaking up is an important thing. Having a seat at the table is an important thing. Yeah, those are those are some of the things. So during this COVID time, we all adjusted to a lot of different things, right? Different ways of doing things with our teams, uh, suddenly going virtual for a lot of us who had never done anything virtual. <laughs> going to office every day was like a norm. And then suddenly we were sitting at home trying to figure things out. How did you manage that as a leader and also personally in your personal life? Yeah. So um, at the time, the role I had, COVID hit in the March timeframe. So I had a bi-coastal team. So I had a team in California, a team in New Jersey, um, and we were transitioning. So we were getting ready for an integrate to, you know, to have an, a merger, uh, an acquisition. So for me, it was really different. Uh, we were going through um, trying to lead those teams in separate parts of the country at that time, dealing with separate things. I brought us together on Zoom calls once a week um, to have a check-in. Um, I checked in individually, but then I had a Zoom call to check in with the entire team, give them updates, sent them some emails, and, and I also sent them some, some mail, little gifts in the mail, like you know snacks and such to get them engaged. I, I think that we were feeling so separate and it was hard. Also the integration piece or you know going through an acquisition was very difficult too. But I think we were managing and we were all scared. I think everybody was very scared. And I, and, I, and I think I had to deal with that by having conversation, by being engaged, communicating. So my team's 10 people on the team, communications was, was constant and it was important. And I think on the personal level, everyone was going through different things. You know, some of my staffs, there's their significant others uh, had job issues. Some of them got COVID, you know, like a lot was going on. So you really had to be very flexible, very empathetic to what was happening. So I, I do think I felt like a blend of my personal life and my work life because it was happening at home. Like I was home and dealing with my own family situation, like trying to get everybody organized. So I felt like that required a lot of extra efforts. And we are, I am a communication person person. So I really felt like, you know, put a lot of our tactics in place to help people manage through and myself. I think it was good. It's good to, to have conversation and engage with folks. Um, and, and we managed, we managed. Is there anything you would want our audience to leave with? I would say first and foremost, and I talked a lot about roles and changes in roles, make every role count. If you have a role, make sure when you before you take it and when you're in it, what are the things you want to get out of it? What what is it that you're going to learn there? Is it going to be something to add to your career path? Really be conscious of the roles that you're in and the ones that you're aspiring towards. And make sure you continuously learn. I think learning is is a constant. Just because you've mastered a role doesn't mean that you haven't picked up something new, a new skill set. Learn to pick up new skill sets and and seek out positions of leadership. I don't know. Sometimes I found that a lot of women leaders sometimes possibly hesitant. I know I was a little hesitant for leadership positions. I felt like I had to have several things in place before I took that role. And you do, you have to have a few things in place. But I think as soon as you can jump into either leading teams or leading a project or really important, even if it's just one person, you know, get, get the sense of running your role day to day and leading a team as well. See how, how you can manage both. Cause it is different. It is different. Yeah. And I think it's, it has, it requires a lot of uh, empathy, uh, engagement. It's almost like responsibilities that you really need to acquire over time and experience. It can't be learned in a book. You know, you have to really uh, experience leadership. So I would say seek out leadership opportunities, make every role count 
And, you know, every job opportunity should be a learning opportunity as well. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much, Fran, for your time and this great conversation. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great. Really enjoyed it.